Hello, my friends. Today, I take you through Patty Haidu's excuseology for not wearing a mask. She's the health minister, wants you to wear a mask, but she just didn't. The photos tell the story. Hey, that's why I want you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus, so you can see these podcasts. We make them into videos, lots of photos for this one today. Just go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month or 80 bucks for the whole year. And it keeps us strong because we don't take any of that government money. Okay, here's today's show. Tonight, with the ruling class, it's always do as I say, not do as I do. It's October 26th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Look at this photograph snapped in the Toronto Pearson Airport Departures Lounge. Hi, Patty Haidu. I don't like wearing masks in indoor spaces either. But please don't undermine Public Health Canada's efforts to reduce the spread of COVID. We all have to do our part. Please set a better example for Canadians. Huh. And that's her, Patty Haidu, the health minister. An affirmative action quota hire, so embarrassing. Remember Jane Philpott? She was widely regarded as the single most competent cabinet minister in Trudeau's entire cabinet. She was no gender token. She was an accomplished woman, a doctor, who got things done, but Trudeau fired her because she stood with Jody Wilson-Raybould, the Indigenous Justice Minister who refused to go along with Trudeau's corrupt scheme to let his rich friends at SNC-Lavalin off the hook in a bribery trial. So Trudeau sacked the smartest woman in the government and replaced her as health minister with the dumbest woman in the government just before the pandemic hit. Not good. But not wearing a mask isn't even about being smart or dumb, is it? It's actually sort of the opposite. We all know that mask rules are ridiculous, especially in airports. If you haven't visited our website, maskexemption.ca, it's an interesting read. We have links to all the mask bylaws in the country, including for airports and airlines. At airports, you know you have to have the mask with you, but you don't have to wear it in the airport if you're socially distanced. Isn't that funny? Then you have to put it on when you go through security because you're in line with other people. But then you have to take it off when you board the plane when you're in line with other people so that I can ID your face. And then when you're on the plane, really an enclosed metal tube for hours at a time, you're seated literally inches away from the stranger next to you and you have to have your mask on except when they bring you water, snacks, meals, whatever. So you see, the virus apparently knows when it's snack time and the virus promises not to make you sick in that half hour or whatever you're having coffee and pretzels. And then you better put your mask on right away or else the virus is gonna be mad at you and get you. I am not making up these rules. You can check them out for yourself at maskexemption.ca. Anyways, we all know it's a bit of a joke. The virus is so small, it's, it's much smaller than the space between the fibers and the cloth mask. It's like using a chain link fence to stop a pee. And of course, if, if you've ever worn a mask, you know that most of the air comes in and out of your mouth from around the mask. 
not, not through it. The whole thing is a public health theater and big business, of course. I mean, look at this headline. All the mask makers are terrified that the terms of their sweetheart deals with the government will be made public and they'll be seen as the profiteers that they are. Oh, and I don't know if you saw this. Uh, here's some crook, a former liberal MP, who got a quarter billion dollar contract from Trudeau for things like ventilators. He had just set up his company 11 days earlier, never made any personal protective equipment in his life. He got a $237 million contract, which experts say is, oh, you know, about $100 million too rich. So yeah, do you wonder why there's all these mask bylaws, even though the virus peaked back in April? A lot of money being made because crooks like Frank Bayless, that liberal MP, got to get paid. So back to Patty Haidu. There she was, yucking it up without a mask in the first class lounge. The photo went viral last night, so Haidu put out a statement on Twitter in reply. She said, following public health rules is important to me. I wear my mask at all times at Toronto Pearson and only take it off to eat or drink as allowed. Those are the rules, sort of. I, I told you the rules. Because um, as you know, the virus patiently waits while you eat. And only when you're done eating does it infect you. I mean, come on, people, this is science. But look at that photo. Is she eating or drinking there? I see her face and her mouth. Um, they're not eating or drinking, which is normally the part of the body, the mouth, where you would see such an activity. I see her, uh, her hands, which is often how we eat. You know, we use our hands to hold food or drink. And yep, just checking, and nope, no food in them. Not in her right hand, not in her left hand, not on the table right next to her chair. And if you zoom in, you can see there's something on her lap uh, not a napkin, not a sandwich. It looks like a, a computer tablet, like an iPad. You can see a little bit of its shadow on her pant. So she's not eating. She's not about to eat. She has no food or drink out or on the table next to her or in her hand. And in fact, on her lap is something else. Not food, likely a computer. Uh, she's just lying. And here's what the person who took the photo replied to her lie. You were not eating or drinking. You made multiple phone calls each with your mask off. Now, I should tell you, I would normally disapprove of such a busybody scold. I would tell them to buzz off, that masks don't work, to mind your own business, and to stop being a creepy voyeur. Except that it's the Minister of Health, the one who scolds us and violates our privacy and is the creepiest person in the country. She's the source of the laws, and she laughs at them. She doesn't believe in them. Laws are for the little people. The big people get the big contracts to make the big bucks to give you a mask, the little people have to wear them and buy them and get tickets or fines or even arrests for not wearing them. Say, so quick question. According to the head of the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, that large nonpartisan U.S. public health agency, should healthy people wear masks? Should you wear a mask if you're healthy? No. Oh, yeah, no. But hey, we need to keep former liberal MPs well paid and we need to keep current liberal MPs feeling powerful and dominate. So Masks, it is. Patty Haidu was not eating or drinking, but imagine that's her excuse. Why, why would she say that when the photo shows she wasn't eating or drinking? She really thinks that you're stupid. Are you that stupid? Well, the media is that stupid. Look at these headlines, and more importantly, the photos and these stories. And look at this from the Wicked Liars at the Huffington Post. Face coverings are mandatory in all areas of the airport's terminals. Okay, but, but it's, a, it's a photo, right? from another day and another place when she is wearing her mask. What? That, that's not the news. If you click the link, you see their story, 
that big photo again. That's not just refusing to show the news. It's reporting fake news, a photo of her wearing a mask, with a mask on, when she did not have a mask on. That photo is a lie when used to illustrate the story. Now, Huffington Post is a fake news clickbait website based in the United States. No one really takes it seriously, especially about Canadian things. But what about the mainstream media up here? I mean, here's Global News. Responding to an image posted to Twitter, the federal health minister says she only takes off her mask to eat or drink is allowed. So they ran with her lie. Without criticism, they just, they just ran her excuse. I suppose it's a miracle that they even ran the photo snapped of her in the airport. So they're not 100% liars like the Huffington Post. They're just stupid, uncritical repeaters of Haidu's lies. She was eating, guys. Same thing with the wicked liars at the Toronto Star. Fake picture with a mask. Why would they show that if it's the opposite of the news? I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that Trudeau gives the Toronto Star $110,000 a week in bailout money. I wonder if there's a connection. Here's CTV. Showing her without a mask in a different place, but offering up her obviously false excuse. Here's CP24, the largest news station in Toronto, with exactly the same wording, almost like there's, you know, a media party that simply repeats the liberal talking points. Here's City News, who knows who the real culprit is here. The photo of Haidu without a mask was posted Sunday evening by a self-described aide to Alberta's advanced education minister. Okay, good. Thanks, guys. Now I know who the real villain is. The guy pointing out that the health minister is a hypocrite. Reminds me of when a U.S. news magazine, Time magazine, broke the news that Justin Trudeau had repeatedly dressed up in racist blackface. All the Canadian media knew about it. They all had the photos of it, but they had chosen altogether not to run it. So someone gave the photos to Time magazine, which doesn't take Trudeau hush money, and so they published it. Yeah, it's newsworthy. And the media were so livid. They were furious that someone was doing their job that they weren't doing. They did a whole investigation into who the man was who dared to pass the photos on to Time, dared to criticize Dear Leader. I'm serious. They did a whole deep dive into the man who dared to report the news about Trudeau. It's odd, though. Jason Kenney and Aaron O'Toole met without masks, and it was like a five-alarm fire in the media. Andrew Scheer, same thing. Uh, and you'll notice that in those stories about Kenny and Scheer and O'Toole, the headline was the fact they didn't have masks. Not their rebuttal, their excuse, their spin. So when a conservative allegedly does something wrong, the accusation is in the headline. When a liberal allegedly does something wrong, the response, the spin, the rebuttal is in the headline. Listen, none of them believe it. They don't believe in masks. I'm sorry, they don't. The patron saint of the virus, Dr. Anthony Fauci, he knows it's BS. You know, he wore a mask when he gave this ceremonial pitch at a major league ball game. Oh my God, I've never seen such a bad pitch. Look at this. To throw out the ceremonial first pitch. Catching his pitches, Nationals pitcher Sean Doolittle. Dr. Fauci, when you're ready, it's your pitch. Dr. Anthony Fauci. I think that's probably the worst pitch ever thrown. About as accurate as, as his pandemic predictions. But you'll notice that when he was done, he, he was wearing a mask when he threw the pitch, even though he was standing far away from everybody else. So the mask was for show when he was on TV. But when he went later to sit down with his friends close to them, 
He knew the mask was BS, so he took it off when he was close to people. He had it on for the cameras, and he took it off when he sat down next to people. They know it's BS. Should you wear a mask if you're healthy? No. They all know it's BS. It's a way of making money for their friends. It's a way for them to keep you in fear, to keep you under control. It's a way for them to feel powerful over you. But never think, not for a moment, that they will ever follow their own rules. They are the ruling class. They get to make the rules. You're the people over whom they rule. It is your job to follow the rules. The stupider the rules, the better, just to see how far you'll go to obey. Know your place in the pandemic. It is to obey and to be afraid. Stay with us for a moment. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. Yo voy a votar for Donald Trump. I love it. There's Latinos for Trump. There's blacks for Trump. I saw a Rasmussen poll suggesting 46% of likely black voters approve of the president. I have trouble even believing that's real. And then over the past couple of days, there's been massive parades, including... Jews for Trump in New York City, a thousand vehicle caravan making its way through the Big Apple. Joining us now to talk about this uprising in ethnic support for the president who's supposed to be a racist, our friend Joel Pollack, senior editor at large at Breitbart.com. What do you think? I mean, maybe we're just seeing anecdotes blown up big, but when I see massive you know, caravans of a thousand Jewish vehicles for Trump in New York, I think that doesn't feel normal. <laughs> well, you're seeing this all over the country. There are these spontaneous rallies and parades being organized by different communities, different ethnic groups. There was a group of Hispanic residents of West Texas who had hundreds of vehicles in a parade. There were 2,000 vehicles in a parade in Western Pennsylvania. And then, as you mentioned, the 1,000 vehicle parade of Jews for Trump in Manhattan. Here, we had two consecutive parades in LA through Beverly Hills. People are just organizing these on their own. This is not connected to the campaign. There is a spontaneous outpouring of support. Now, it could be a minority of Americans, but it is a very determined group, and they are enjoying themselves, and they're also passionate about reelecting the president. It's very interesting, and I see the reaction by the other side. <clears throat> I saw a video of uh, someone in New York City who calls himself Azad, filming himself throwing rocks from an overpass, smashing the cars of the Jews for Trump. Another Jews for Trump uh, protester was pepper sprayed. Uh, I know you've covered this in your story in Breitbart, Jewish family traumatized by pepper spray attack on Jews for Trump caravan. So the other side can't stand it. I think they right. can't it stand Trump to begin with. Go ahead. In, the, in defense of the rather stupid fellow who you mentioned earlier, he filmed himself throwing eggs. It was actually eggs that he threw. Other people threw rocks. There's video footage of that. But he actually 
filmed himself talking about what a great time he was having throwing eggs at cars as they went by. And hopefully the New York Police Department has picked up on that. But yeah, there's some resistance in a liberal or very left-wing city like New York. On the other hand, there are also a lot of people who are coming out of the woodwork and saying they support President Trump. In Los Angeles, for example, people just coming out from all kinds of communities, having car rallies, whether it's in Beverly Hills or the San Fernando Valley. I covered one of those rallies a few weeks ago. There were hundreds of cars there. And people are getting out and doing whatever they can to show each other that they're supporting Trump. Remember, during coronavirus, there's not a lot of opportunity for people to interact with one another. And our only source of information about what's happening in the campaign is the mainstream media. The mainstream media hate Donald Trump. So Trump supporters are creating their own media events and then live streaming them, tweeting them, sharing them on Facebook. And it's something we've never seen before in the history of American politics. This is a band of happy warriors who simply by waving the American flag and Trump flags and driving their cars and steering their boats or doing whatever it is they do. In fact, I saw an Amish wagon train <laughs> for Trump a few weeks ago. People who support the president are coming out and showing it in these unique ways. And there's really just no equivalent on the Biden side whatsoever. Yeah. President Trump joked today in Pennsylvania that Joe Biden's having trouble filling the little circles he has at his campaign rallies because he has those socially distant circles painted on the floor where you know all six people are supposed to be able to stand. And Trump is having some fun at his expense. Now, again, rallies don't necessarily equate to votes, but what's important here is to communicate to other Trump supporters. I think that's the reason these things are happening. And Byron York of the Washington Examiner wrote a brilliant piece today about a rally in Western Pennsylvania that he attended that involved people from West Virginia, Ohio, and Western Pennsylvania from the fracking region mm. of the United States, the Marcellus Shale region, which has been booming since President Trump became our leader. And that's because the Trump administration has adopted very pro-fracking policies, whereas Joe Biden at the debate last week promised to phase out fossil fuels and is saying he's going to ban fracking on federal land, which essentially means killing the industry, even though you would allow it theoretically to continue on private land. There's not much of a market if you can't get to those federal leases. So that's very interesting. Thousands of cars coming together, people defending their industry, defending their livelihood. And Joe Biden, people think, may have lost Pennsylvania with his performance in the debate because now it's absolutely clear he wants to get rid of fossil fuels. And even with the Teslas of the world and the solar cells that are being built in certain places, even with all of that, we still rely on fossil fuels, especially here in California, where we've moved too quickly to wind and solar energy. And as a result, we've had instances of rolling blackouts because the high demand in extreme weather is too much for the system to bear. And the grid can't produce enough power when the wind doesn't blow or where the sun goes down. And we just don't have enough power. In addition, all of these renewable energy plants rely on some form of fossil fuel as a backup generator or to get the plant going. So we still need fossil fuels. It's really just silly and unscientific to say that we can run our economy based entirely on renewables. So Biden is out there selling something that nobody really wants to buy. And especially in the states where it counts, where he's pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into advertising and campaigning like Texas. If you want to turn Texas blue, the worst thing you can do is tell them you're going to get rid of the oil industry. Yeah. 
Well, it's incredible. You know, by the way, I just want to share with you a, a phrase that um, uh, I, I like to use. There's renewables and non-renewables, but I think reliables <laughs> and non-reliables. I mean, uh, wind turbines work if there's the right amount of wind, not too much, not too little. Solar panels work when there's sun. All those things are made using coal. You can't make steel without coal. I think it's reliables and unreliables, and we can see California has been hit with unreliable you know, energy. I'm reminded you wrote a book called Ethical Oil uh, about the oil industry, and that's how Americans feel about it. Americans feel that the oil industry today is not the oil industry that is learned about in high school textbooks with Rockefeller and giant gushers spurting oil all over the Pennsylvania hills. You know, this is a different oil industry, a responsible oil industry, a highly regulated oil industry, and the people working in it also live in the areas where the oil industry happens. They don't want to see a polluted environment. So people are doing the best they can to make it clear to each other and to the American electorate that they want to see Trump reelected. I should add another interesting point after the debate last week, almost immediately afterward, there was a Democratic member of Congress from New Mexico, a freshman Democrat, who's up for re-election, Representative Small. And she immediately distanced herself from Joe Biden's comments on the oil industry because New Mexico is the number three oil producing state in the United States and is one of the top 10 energy producing states overall. So she obviously feels the pressure from her Republican opponent. And it tells you that Democrats are not going to benefit from Joe Biden's stance on fracking and fossil fuels. The Green New Deal might sound like a lovely brand, but when you come down to what it actually means in practice, it's going to cost hundreds of thousands of jobs. And the people who have those jobs are going to vote for Donald Trump. Yeah. Hey, I want to talk about one thing you mentioned earlier about these spontaneous protests around America, that it brings people out of the woodwork, that it shows people they're not alone. Because I think if you only consume your news through the mainstream media, or even worse, through social media, through Twitter, if you follow official um, legacy media sources, you would be completely dispirited. You would think um, Trump's going to get absolutely destroyed, and maybe he will be. We'll find out. But by seeing other people, especially other unlikely Republicans, Latinos for Trump, gays for Trump, Jews for Trump, I, I think that it, it helps people know, no, I'm not crazy. I sort of like Trump despite all his flaws. And to see other people of their same background say so creates a momentum. I, just since the debate, the number of black rappers who have come out uh, for Trump. I mean, I'm not putting a lot of intellectual stock in 50 Cent or Little Pump. Uh, I think Ice Cube was a little bit more thoughtful about it. But now there's a real debate. If you're a black American, do you have to be taken for granted? Do you have to obey Biden when he says, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black? I think that when that peer-to-peer -peer, uh, momentum building is probably as persuasive as anything someone on TV news says. I don't know. I don't want to let myself hope too much because I, I always think it's better to have lower expectations. I think Trump could win this thing other than, you know, vote rigging and, and, th and vote theft. He's definitely in a position where he can win. That's how things feel right now. And I would say it is similar to 2016 where he has a lot of forces against him. The forces are much stronger now and much more determined to prevent him from winning than they were in 2016. But it's the same array of forces against him, the media, the Democrats, the tech companies. And he's also got Wall Street against him. 
He's being massively outspent and outraised. So it looks like 2016, and yet he's in a position, just like 2016, where he can win. You mentioned the hip-hop stars and, and rappers and so forth. Ice Cube, I don't think he endorsed Trump, but what's interesting is his description of his experience of working with the Trump administration is in some ways more effective than an endorsement. He said he spoke to the Biden campaign, he spoke to the Trump campaign about his contract with Black America. And the Biden campaign says, we'll talk to you after the election. And the Trump administration brought him in for a three-hour meeting, and they incorporated his suggestions into their platinum plan for Black America. And that's what Ice Cube has been telling people, not that he's for or against any particular politician, but people can just judge for themselves which of the two politicians is more interested in adopting ideas that are crafted by someone who's really got the welfare of Black Americans at heart. And that's been very interesting. Then you have 50 Cent saying he doesn't like Joe Biden's tax plan. He's going to vote for Trump because he doesn't want to be 20 cent because he would lose 60 cents on the dollar if he <laughs> remains in New York state. And that's having an effect. I think black voters are being courted in a way by Trump that they've never been courted by any politician on the Republican or Democratic side before. And I think it's immensely empowering. And some people are really noticing that this could be an election where Trump wins because of minority support. He doesn't have to win most votes in the black community or even in the Latino community. But look at the Latino community. In California, there's a set of polls out recently showing that Trump's Latino support is almost three times what it was in 2016. Huh. In 2016, October 2016, he had 12% among Latino voters in California. Now he has 33%. And that's up 8% already from 25% in September. What is happening that is driving this turnout? Some of it is the economic shutdowns. Latino voters are also workers and want to go back to work. What's preventing people from going back to work? The school shutdowns. Well, look what happened between September and October. The schools didn't reopen in a lot of these blue states. And so you have a lot of people who are being forced to stay at home to supervise their children's Zoom classes, which they don't really want to do. They want to be out there working, earning money, and they can't. And I think there's a, a possibility that Trump will peel off enough support from these minority communities that it puts him over the top in a lot of these battleground states. So we're living through a really, really interesting week. And I think it's going to be intense. It's going to be fun for Trump supporters. The Trump supporters seem to be enjoying this. They feel the wind at their backs. They feel they've got the momentum. And they know this is within reach. So I think it's going to be interesting. Joe Biden spending most of his time in the basement. You know, he's trying to turn this into a referendum on Trump. He doesn't want to say anything about his own policies, doesn't want to answer questions. Anytime he's asked a question, he makes it about Trump. So it could be that the American public are sick of Trump and people want to get rid of him and they're indifferent as to what replaces him. That could swing the election to Biden. So we'll see which of those two forces is stronger. But right now in football terms, I describe it as follows. Joe Biden is playing the prevent defense and Donald Trump is running the no huddle offense. And if you've got a good quarterback and your receivers can get open, the no huddle offense wins every time. So right now, you'd say that the Trump campaign is probably down, maybe even by a touchdown or so. But they have the no huddle offense against the prevent defense. And what Joe Biden is trying to do is, in a way, contemptuous because he's not even asking the American people for their vote. So we'll see how it turns out. But I think every day that goes by is a good day, a better day than the one before for Donald Trump. Yeah, it feels that way. Let me, and again, you're very generous with your time, and you say so much in your comments. Uh, in the debate uh, last week, Trump 
was fairly vigorous about ending the lockdown, getting back to work, don't be panicky, you know, and he said several times, I had the coronavirus, I got better soon, my wife and son got it, they barely noticed. He's sounding, he's not sounding risky. I, I mean, the Democrats want him to, to sound that way. I think he's sounding enough already, it's been six months, and maybe that resonates with a lot of people who haven't heard that narrative from anyone in the media. I mean, the media is, is more panicky and um, fear-mongering about the pandemic than even politicians. And maybe just to hear Trump say, all right, let's get back to work now. We can be normal about it. Maybe that had a resonance with working-class people in a way that the furloughed class, the class that's working from home, that hasn't lost a dime, that's, you know, I, I saw some wag in the UK say, this hasn't been a lockdown. It's middle-class people uh, working at home having working-class people bring them food. And I thought, you know, for right. a lot of fancy people, this lockdown's been amazing. Maybe Trump's common sense talk has rung a bell with a lot of people just sick of it. Yeah, I spoke to someone a few months ago who said he's prepared to take the risk of getting sick for a couple of weeks rather than closing his business. And this is a small business owner. And that's how a lot of people feel. They feel that they're prepared to take the risk. They take all kinds of risks every day. Now, there's a question as to whether they'd expose other people to risk because of the way that this pandemic spreads. And I think that's a big reason that we have to have the social distancing and the masks and so forth. But allow people to move forward with their lives. Right now, I mean, if you drive around even a place as prosperous as Los Angeles, the boarded up stores, the empty restaurants, the streets that are quiet in the middle of the afternoon. I mean, it's really a chilling sight and we don't want that to go on. I don't even think residents of blue states want it to go on. I mean, the people are trying to get back to normal as, as soon as they can. I was at a boxing class yesterday. My gym reopened outside. Everybody's outside, but it was absolutely packed. Everybody wants to get on with their lives, including people who are going to vote for Joe Biden. Then, uh, you know, Joe Biden's offer is basically more shutdowns, dark winter. We have to hunker down. It's, it's not a winning message. He may win just because there are enough people who dislike Trump and because the tech companies and the media are suppressing negative stories about Joe Biden, like the Hunter Biden email story, which proves that Joe Biden lied about not having discussed Hunter Biden's foreign business interest. They're suppressing all of that. So it, it could be enough to allow the Democrats to win. But there is so much desire in this country to get back to normal that I think Trump, you're right, has demonstrated or modeled how one can recover from this illness and go back to work. In fact, I think he's better now than he yeah. was before the coronavirus. Yeah, he's got more. He's certainly dancing more. Well, Joel, it's great to talk with you. I'm excited, too. I'm nervous and excited, almost exactly how I felt four years ago. So much is riding on this, not just for America, of course, but I truly believe this election will have critical importance in Canada and in Europe yeah. and in the Middle East and Russia and China and Australia. I can't think of a more momentous election since the Cold War. Anyways, I appreciate you helping us figure things out. Great to see you. Thanks for your time. Thank you. All right, there you have it. Joel uh, Pollack is the senior editor-at-large of Breitbart.com. Stay with us more. Hey, welcome back on my monologue Friday. MJ writes, Copyright law makes provisions for using logos used under fair dealing of the Canadian Copyright Act specifically for research, private study, education, parody, satire, criticism, review, and news reporting. 
CBC conservative. Yeah, exactly right. That's my point, is you can mock the CBC, you can criticize. That's the Pepsi challenge. Pepsi used Coke's logo, their bottle, their image, their brand for a whole ad campaign. That's cool as long as you just don't pass yourself off as the brand. And Pepsi was doing the opposite. We're saying we're not Coke. The Western Standard Online was saying we're not the CBC. The CBC are just a bunch of bullies. Are you surprised? They take after their boss, Justin Trudeau. Daniel writes, the CBC should be privatized, its assets should be sold, and the proceeds should be used to help pay the national debt. Oh, yeah, but what a tiny fraction. Seriously, the CBC takes over a billion dollars a year and has historically in the present value of that money. So in, let's say, 1960, then we're getting a billion dollars. But they were getting about a billion dollars worth in 1960 currency. I think it's fair to say that literally $100 billion in Canada's accumulated debt is from the CBC. It's over 75 years old. On Obamagate the movie, Ron writes, Christy Swanson's performance in Obamagate was excellent. Well, Ron, I'm glad you watched it, and I'm so glad that fellow McAleer and Anne McElhinney, his wife, and their team is putting out so many movies and films and plays and productions. I just wish there were 10 felons in the world. We'd start to even the odds. Well, my friends, that's the show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom. Mm -hmm.